All right. So um, appreciate you guys again for hopping on this call or this webinar. Um, my uh, inspiration for doing this is just to help our our folks just share the knowledge, share the wisdom of just doing the deals. A lot of the learnings I've I've came across just from doing some deals for the past decade or so. And I believe that um, that the more we're equipped to uh, invest in things, especially in private companies, it allows us to build wealth and allows us to also move the needle of another facet that we always don't talk about when it comes to group, group, group economics is investing in each other. And as a way to kind of help mitigate these risks, um, you know, we, it helps us, we should learn how to invest in deals and this will help mitigate the risk. Um, and then near the end too, I'm gonna share some war stories or some case studies or whatever we wanna call it um, of some, some things that happen when you do, when you do deals. Um, so kind of jumping into it, and also, I'm gonna leave the door open too near the end for some questions. So, if I if you have some questions, just write it down, um, and I'll make sure I get to them at, at the end. All right. So, kind of getting started. So, this is uh, uh, investing in startups and small businesses one on one. Reason why I, I I put in small businesses, I kind of look at those are just traditional businesses. So, this could be let's just say um, uh, as an example, this is not a tech startup, but uh, I did not get a chance to close on this deal, but. There was a solar uh, solar panel green energy franchisor uh, that was trying to put a deal together um, out of Florida and the land, land, landscaping company. So basically they use all solar green energy uh, type of company and they were uh, emerging franchisor. Um, and so uh, uh, so I'm putting those categories because um, startups and small businesses. Small business may not always be as sophisticated as tech startups, but I still think that's an asset class or area that people can invest in and build wealth through that as well. So my name is Pedro, Pedro Moore. So a little bit about me, high level, you know, I'm a venture advisor to Damon John of Shark Tank. I've been doing that probably since like season two. Um, I do run a micro seed fund here in the state of Delaware. So if you have any high growth companies that are headquartered here in Delaware, let me know because we're trying to invest. We put about five to 50K into these deals. We try to play that, you know, um, the uh, rich uncle, if you will, uh, type of deal. Um, serial entrepreneur as well. And I worked at um, two VC firms and collectively it was about $20 million under management between the two firms. Um, and also as a, let just give you guys a heads up too. I'm finally deciding to actually raise, launch my own venture fund. Um, and I'm going to be focusing on investing in black and brown people and women led companies and, uh, just taking my knowledge and being able to invest in the companies that I know, uh, can grow and scale and be able to add value. Um, so, uh, the things that I, I, I'm going to talk about today just overview of just angel investing in privately held companies, um, deal flow sourcing, deal selection, and some doing some preliminary due diligence. And then after that, managing the deal, what happens after post-investment, post basically. So with anything, whenever you're talking about financial stuff, investment stuff, you always got to give a disclosure. So my disclosure is investing is risky, of course, past performance does not necessarily predict future results. Always consult a lawyer, accountant, financial advisor before making any major financial decision. And this presentation is solely for educational purposes only. And uh, the biggest risk I will say is say it up front with vesting in privately held companies, in my opinion, is that limited trans transparency 
and these investments are illiquid, meaning that unlike stock market um, where you get access to a lot of information and uh, you can buy and sell like the same day if you wanted to, here you don't. A lot of times you may be you may be uh, held, um, holding your position in these companies for extended period of time. All right. So getting started. So what is angel investing? Angel investing and this definition is is involving. But generally speaking, is is where you have a, a high net worth individual, someone that has some means that invest in um, uh, uh, emerging early stage companies or even sometimes later stage companies. And another uh, word that's associated with uh, angel investing is an accredited investor. And I'm going to explain that too in a, in a second. Um, and so with the... With that basically being said, so these angel investors typically, um, the general angel investor is someone that, of course, has some means, but they also can add value to a company. It doesn't always happen that way, but they can add some value. So think of the typical Shark Tank folks, right? Those are angel investors. They qualify because they're credit investors and they have some means. And if you also notice that... Um, uh, you know, those investors on Shark Tank, all of them, they may not always articulate it, but they have a sweet spot. They have a strategy. They have uh, uh, industries that they like to invest in and ones that they they uh, are not interested in or do not have expertise in. They always most of the time they they um, they will pass on it unless they co-invest with someone that has that experience, too. Um, and so. Um, but the reason why I said that 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 definition is evolving because of things like you're gonna see me talk about a little bit a little bit later, crowdfunding, angel investors, you don't have to be accredited anymore. I'll explain that in, in, a, in a little bit. Um, so how to become an angel investor? A lot of people think that there's really like a quali qualification. Uh, there really isn't. Um, there's there's really no process other than do you check the box that the SEC wants you to check? And so, so some of the things that you can check the box and these bullets are all, uh, you don't have to have all of them. It's just one that you have to have. And so as an example, have a, uh, uh, a net worth um, of a million dollars or more. Um, have a, if you're single, have a household income of 200 grand or more. Uh, if you're married, 300 or more. Um, or, if you are a person that has certain um, uh, uh, certain uh, cert certifications, like a Series A or something like that, not A, sorry, um, not A, uh, Series C, or in the, I'm sorry, I'm using terms from the venture world. I think it's a Series 7, that's what I want to say, like Series 7 and whatever those other uh, certifications they have. Um, also, they recently been changing things such as um, knowledgeable employees. So if you worked at a fund or work at a venture fund, um, even if you don't meet these, these financial uh, hurdles, um, you can still invest in these, uh, these, these uh, assets that require a credit investor. Um, and so, and, and the reason why I say this definition is continuously involving as well, because they're trying, they're, they're, so this could change, meaning that they're adding more things to this list to allow more people to invest because what they're learning is um, the reality is, is that they started off with basically you have to be someone of means to invest in deals. Um, and their assumption behind that is that you have some general knowledge to understand risk and you have um, if you do lose your investment, you have enough means to recover. 
the reality is theoretically yes but the reality is that's not necessarily true because uh one just because someone's rich does not mean they know how to invest in other deals that's number one um and number two they may not know how to turn that faucet off. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you talk to a lot of, uh, I know some, I remember one guy in particular who owned, um, who owned a um, uh, packaging company that, that packaged a lot of, he was a black guy, guy, black guy too. He did a lot of the packaging for um, uh, like Burger King's French fries boxes and all that type of stuff. And so I remember you told me this story, how he just sunk like 60, 60 or so grand into just one company. Um, and, and that hurt him badly. So um, so this so so my point is, is that there's other individuals who may not meet the financial means, but they are a little bit more savvier because they know how to assess risk better. They just may not have a million dollars in the bank or a, a net worth, et cetera, et cetera. So that's good to know, too, just in case even for you guys, if you guys ever do deals, I know some of you guys are real estate investors, um, you know, as you guys pull capital together, that that helps that helps span your reach. So this is what I was referring to how now how anyone can be an uh, angel investor. So um, since what President Obama did with the equity crowdfunding laws, uh, you can invest in private companies today, uh, but it has to be go through a portal. And these portals are heavily regulated. And so in these portals, you can invest in real estate, you can invest in private companies, small businesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times you can invest as low as like $100 to see these things. Um, now, the only, in my opinion, not in all, all cases, these deals may not always be the best deal. Some of them are, some of them are not. So for example, I saw this the other day on, on, on a site, where one company was, uh, um, uh, what was it, uh, $20 a share. And the company's been around probably for at least five plus years, but they were only doing like 200 grand in revenue. Now, I, basically what, I, what, I, what I've taken from that is that that was very expensive. You know, one of the nice sides when you invest in an early stage company, the share price is fairly cheap. You know, $20 a share, that's equivalent. I mean, I think uh, Under Armour is like $15 a share right now. And so, and of course, we all, you know, we all know how big Under, Under Armour is. But, um, you know, when I invest in companies, a lot of times the share price is under a dollar, you know, under $2, you know. And so sometimes you may have, you may have that if you go through these crowdfunding sites because there's no one that's really, uh, uh, putting pressure on these companies, in my opinion, to make sure they give a realistic valuation of the company. But I still think it's a good exercise to, you know, participate and just help fund some of these companies. Because um, there are a lot of other underrepresented folks that are leveraging crowdfunding to, to grow their company. So just want to put that out there. Uh, there are some limits, meaning I, I can't recall what they are off the top of my head, but, you know, they only, you want to invest like 10% of your net worth or income or something like that in a 12 month period. So anyway, just to give you some stats, um, there's about one in 10 households in America are accredited investors because that's growing. And I don't think that number includes accredited investors that have certifications. Okay. Cause that means that's even more. So that, in other words, that's great for people who are doing deals, whether for businesses or whether for real estate, because that's more capital available on the market. Um, and a lot more people you can, you can, uh, uh, pitch to for, for capital. Um, 
uh, statistically speaking, and I know this first experience is firsthand, 40% of angel investors in, in VCs are four, uh, are 4% are black and are Latino, and also 20, 22% are female angel investors, and though I, though I think that's changing. So here's the basic, um, starting off kind of to help you guys see like how things go from beginning to the end. And so what you see in this startup financing cycle is uh, I normally at the firm I was at, I was at this first phase, phase right here. This is typically probably the series A round. This is like their first uh, first uh, round of institutional capital. Uh, and then the idea is that they raise an A, B, C, and then kind of grow from here and maybe either get acquired here. Oh, they can really get acquired any uh, um anywhere along this ladder, but then, or if that doesn't happen, they go public. So for those that were on the call where, where I was trying to do that deal with um, uh, Manhattan uh, Venture Partners, those companies were around here. So even that Brex company too, that they, he, they're around this stage right here. So they're really mature. And so only two paths at this point, is either going to get acquired, or, but most likely, especially the IPO market is really hot. They're just going to go public. Okay, um, here is where I played at mostly, but here is where a lot of individual angel investors play. All right, and of course, we all know co-founder. the The reason why they they call this the Valley of Death. The reason being is because this is the most riskiest. The, you know, you got, we all heard the, um, what do they call, uh, uh, more risk, more reward kind of concept. This is why they, this is, at least in investing in business, this is why they say that. Because here you can get the company at the cheapest price. However, you know, the higher likelihood of failure is, is greater here. But up here for all those uh, Manhattan deals um, and even these late stage deals, the likelihood of the company failing is very slim. But the multiple it to, uh, of a return is also going to be significantly less as well. You know, I think they say it's typically like a, uh, don't quote me on these numbers, but maybe a three to six times, uh, uh, maybe less than that, maybe a, maybe a two to four times your money right here. But, you know, you don't have to hold it for a long period of time. Here, you can invest um, and get a low share price, but you may have to hold that bad boy for a long time before you actually um, exit the company. Um, but I just want to just at least show you this, this path. But and so even my micro fund here in Delaware, we're kind of in this area right here as well. So not even, not even in this phase, but even here. So even earlier, um, a lot of accelerators are, are in this stage. So even, even this for the small businesses, they're all in this stage. But again, you can get, the, um, you can get uh, a, a greater deal but these companies need a lot more assistance. If you guys have been seeing a lot of news about how a lot of black and brown people are raising capital, most of them are in this stage right here. Um, my hope is that they jump over to this next round of, of institutional capital. The statistically speaking, most of them won't based off stats. I think like they say, like 80% won't raise a, a follow-on round. So of all these um, black and brown companies, they may get stuck here and may either fail or they may have to become just independent and, uh, and continue to bootstrap. But a small percentage will continue forward um, after that. But a lot of those news coverages, most of them are here. A lot of them are raising their seed rounds, sort of right around here.
so now why invest in private companies? Here's reason why we all want to do it. Um, oops. So we all probably, I'm assuming most of us may have invested in the public market, you know, buying stocks from, you know, the publicly traded companies. Uh, pre -I, by the way, pre-IPO is the same thing as private. These are just buzzwords that people use today. Now, historically, pre-IPO uh, companies, those were really referring to those Manhattan late stage companies because they were literally were pre-IPO, maybe a year or two um, before they go public. But now everybody's using that word, um, even if companies not only not even close to uh, on track to ever go public. Um, so it's really just becoming a buzzword. But here's the reason why this this is a per this is a perfect scenario. So um, now this in this scenario does not happen. It's uh, I mean it does happen quite frequently to like the elite venture capitalists, but but not all. Most people do not have these type of returns at all, not even close. Uh, but I wanted to just to illustrate because this is part of part of the reason why people try to invest in these early stage, even though they're it's extremely risky. You see this right here. So this is kind of their their captive. So by the way, this is a um, think Devin, you saw this before. You may already know about this. Um, have you guys seen Uber's cap table when they went public? Have you guys heard about this guy? These guys who made their money when they went public? I guess it's probably not. So right here on this column right here, these are all the investors, at least some of them. This is the amount that they, um, this is the amount that they uh, 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 invested in Uber. This is the amount, this is their return when I, uh, app, I mean, um, Uber went public. So if you see this here, this guy, these two guys invested five grand and made $24 million off their investment. That's a ridiculous, ridiculous um, return. Uh, so give me one second. I'm actually going to show you if I can show you something else too. Have to. Um, uh, I'm not going to see it. So, so my point is, is that the idea of big picture, especially if it's equity investment and, and it's from VCs, in a perfect scenario, we would like to be able to make 10 times our, our, our money. Of course, that's way more than 10 times. So this is like an amazing scenario. But, but that's the idea. And these guys, uh, especially around here, invested at the early stage. And um, uh, I was trying to see if I can find it, path, path to... Uh, because I think I was able to, there's a company that actually charts path to IPO. So that way you can actually see uh, the share price. I think I may have found it. Um, yeah, here we go. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen for one second. I'm gonna show you guys this screen. All right, can you guys see this up here? Uber's path to IPO. All right. So um, I did not calculate it. I did not look into which stage they were in. But remember how I was saying everybody, you know, uh, wants to, 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 to invest less than a dollar. So this is Uber's beginning stage right here. This is that seed round. If you guys remember that, that, that middle line and that startup life cycle, uh, everything to the left is considered high risk. So that's why, as you can see, the share price is significantly cheap. Okay. So first round capital was their lead investors actually out of Philly. 
Um, they invest a lot of a lot of big companies. Um, so they got the, the Uber raised maybe a total under two million dollars, um, less than a penny. So so less than a penny right here. Um, uh, then at I don't know what year this is. Sometime later, they they end up raising that Series A. This this is the phase that I used to work when at the firm I was at used to invest in nine cents. Then we just move up the needle, thirty five cents. Four dollars, uh, three fifty. I'm gonna just round up. Fifteen dollars, and then uh, where did it go public at? Okay, I'm assuming here. But you can, as you as you can see, they raised a lot of rounds all throughout, and I think probably after this phase, that's probably when they went public. But but as you can see, this is the path. This is how you make money. This is why. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll spend the lockup period. Um, this is why you will, um, why you, 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 how you make your money, and is everything's always based off the share price because you want to know if you bought it at three fifty, three fifty six, you know, will it go up beyond that? So, um, what this gentleman is referring to in terms of lockup, that doesn't happen in this phase. But when you go after you go public, you, um, you cannot. Uh, 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 sell any shares for at least six months. That's basically what that really means. So what happens is, and um, there's actually a lot of these agreements, and I, I think we're going to get to a little bit later, that um, some for a lot of these investors, early investors, they may cash out before they go public. And so because once they do list, they have to hold uh, their position for at least six months um, before they can sell their security. So what a lot of them may do, they may sell at this point. So Toyota, as a hypothetical scenario, I don't know if this happened. I just use it as a hypothetical scenario. So let's just say first round, first round already made money here. They made money here. Well, they're making money all the way through, right? But first round says, you know what? I don't want to waste the lockup period. Toyota just came in. I'm going to just sell mines as part of that round. Maybe Toyota and some other people just picked up mines for $48 and 77 cents and boom and they just cashed out out of that before it goes public so they don't have to worry about uh the, worry about the lockup period all right uh now let me get out of here but that's the, that's just i just wanted to show you that path of how someone makes money uh through that so All right. Now, in terms of the actual investment structure, there are they are really two types. Then there's hybrids that merge them, merge the two together. So we all know equity, which is what we just saw, where you buy a percentage of the company. Um, and, uh, and, and in this case, a lot of more are shares in corporate corporations, but you can buy equity in LLCs. Right. You know, and, and, and be a, um, a partial owner. And a chain of wing stops. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a scenario. Um, debt is a scenario too, where you loan someone money and they just pay you back as a loan. Now, the beauty I like about private, one of the thing, one of the additional things I like private, with private companies is that you can be creative with the deal structure. It does not have to be black and white. It does not have to be a traditional loan. As an example, there's a company here in Delaware where we invested uh, 15, com 15 companies, 15K in this company. And it, it it's not an equity investment. It is a uh, debt investment. But what we structured is, was that 
no payments for two years. Um, uh, no payment for two years. It does have interest accruing on the back end, but then uh, by that two-year period, uh, there's a big balloon payment where where he just kind of pays us off. Now, in, in a, lot, a lot of times in doing deals, you know, you do put caveats in there because what if things don't happen, right? So I, as a caveat in there where let's just say he's not able to pay us off at, at that balloon payment, uh, we'll just make, we'll turn, we'll turn, take that remaining balance, whatever that balance is, and, um, uh, and, and turn it into a traditional loan where he'll make monthly payments on it, right? And those are just little things that we do to help mitigate the risk as well to make sure we get our money back. Now, in a perfect world, world, you know, he just paid us back. But if not, he'll just, for the next three years, make monthly payments on it. Worst case scenario is, of course, worst case scenario, he just shuts down. But before that, um, we'll take equity in that company, uh, um, whatever the main balance is, and convert that into equity. Um, so that's an example of a hybrid, hybrid structure. Um, the uh, solar panel landscape in the franchisor down in down in Florida, that was actually going to be a revenue share where we invest X and get a percentage of his revenue for a period of time. And so of his gross, you know, his gross revenue. And that was just, you know, the good part for him is flexible, meaning that he has a great month, he pays more. He has a bad month, he pays less, right? And it, and it just kind of grows with him. Um, so that's an example of that structure. All right. So, it, but my, my point is you can be really creative in a lot of these structures. It doesn't have to be the traditional black and white deals. Now, when investing, uh, of course, there's going to be pros and cons to these paths. You can always invest directly, um, but that, that does require some discipline, you know, skill set and, and, and time because you got to do a lot of due diligence on various companies or you can invest in groups. Um there's a there's a uh, there's a group of lawyers that I know. They all have an investment club, you know, and they invest. Um, I know a lot of people use them for real estate projects, but these guys in particular, they invest in businesses, you know. So they'll just they all put money together every month, and uh, they'll have one guy who will go out and find deals presented to the team, and they'll make a decision whether they're going to pull the trigger or not to to invest in that in, in that company. Uh, and there's a lot of different formats too when you're investing in a group. But the nice part is, is that it's shared deal flow. Um, you know, especially I, I recommend it for beginners because it gives you a chance to kind of piggyback off of someone else that might be more seasoned. You can do more deals with them. You can just you can help out with the due diligence aspect of everything. Because especially if you invest for yourself, um, you really have to create a real portfolio because investing we all know investing is risky but the earlier stages you go the higher higher risk it is and of a lot of them failing so you really almost have to build your whole uh, a strategy to build a whole portfolio of companies and then you have the last option which i'll actually have to go out eventually start doing pretty soon with the fun i uh, mentioned to you guys earlier is now this is a fund that I'll be raising where um, I'll be cutting the checks in the company. I'll be making decisions, cutting the check in the company. But where you, if you don't really want to do any of that work and just kind of want to uh, want to just get updates, you are welcome to invest in a fund where you more passively. So as an example, um, who asked that question earlier about uh, uh, Manhattan? So that's kind of like that experience. So that experience where it's it's 
absolutely hands off, uh, especially for later, later stage deals. Unless you have big checks, like 10 millions of dollars, uh, it's gonna, all going to be hands off. You're just sitting, you're, you're alone for the ride type of deal. Um, other one, the, the, the uh, early angels um, and, or just yourself, a small, if you're small check size, you can probably participate, uh, be more involved in that process. But as a fund, you can invest in the fund. Now, the difference is, is that that fund manager, they're responsible for finding and doing the diligence. You don't have to do any of that. But when you are vetting, you got to vet that manager and have confidence that that manager can do what they say they can set out to do, which is find deals, invest in deals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now getting into deal flow, um, you know, deal flow is like an art and science a little bit. It's it's really let deal flow can come from anywhere. That company I mentioned that we invest in field 15K. That company came from a friend I had. I knew, met the guy uh, maybe once uh, years ago, and um, uh, we just happened to have a mutual friend that I used to work with, and she just brought it out and mentioned it, you know. And so your deals, it, it, so I would say when you when you're in the appetite to actually look to invest, it's kind of like um, when you see a car. I get a new car and all of a sudden you start to see that car everywhere on the road. Um, once you start telling people this is what you're trying to do, um, the floodgates start opening and people will start referring uh, 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 deals to you, um, which is which is great. That's what you want them to do. Um, so you just have to start letting people know what you're doing. And then that's what come. But it can come from everywhere. Professional contacts. Uh, platform sites are sites like um, there's a company called Gust that host a lot of uh, deals on there already. Uh, AngelList, um, a couple others, I uh, can't recall all of them right now, but they host a lot of these a lot of these companies on there. Uh, and, then, and then also other professional investors. When I say government, government, um, that, that is a couple places. One, um, your local SBA, SBDC uh, groups. Um, and even they have these, um, uh, I'm going to share this with you guys, too, just in case you guys might want to invent something. So I think it's called SBIR or S-I-T-T-R. But anyway, I can't remember the exact name, but there are programs that give you grant money to invent something. And now there, there's there's layers to it. There's, uh, so they start off maybe with a few grand and they want you to do some market research. After that, um, they'll give you uh, maybe 50 grand um to do more market research and after that they can give you hundreds of grand hundreds of thousand dollars uh to actually invent the product um uh is dev still on here uh thing got off uh there's a gentleman that was on this call um dev Devin, him and i have a mutual friend that gentleman right there he uh was able to raise a lot of grant funding um from um uh what am i trying to say uh, from the government, like hundreds of thousands of, 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 of dollars. So, but anyway, my point is that's the source of capital as well. The source of capital. So um, these are just some general quotes, but I'm, I'm but I'm gonna speak to each of those quotes because I think these are things that you have to stick um, keeping your strategy. So number one, beware of bearing formulas. What Warren Buffett is saying there is that. There are a lot of entrepreneurs that um, will beef up financials and they always say, 
Uh, these these projections are conservative. They always say that. And and what I'm getting at majority of times, no one ever meets their projections. No one ever meets your projections. So don't get too. So if, if you're ever about to do a deal, look at a deal. Don't get too excited about projections. Really look at the uh, the history of the company um, <clears throat> and, and use that as your basis. And, but do not get too caught up because people can make Excel spreadsheets look amazing and people fall in love with that. But those things, I hate to say it, don't really mean much. And these companies can be doing millions of dollars in revenue. <coughs> Excuse me. They can be doing millions of dollars in revenue and, uh, and, and, and still may not hit their projections. All right. Um, well, there you go. The next quote, if past history was uh, was always the game. The rich people would be li librarians. That's another case in point. Um, their past history does not necessarily guarantee that's how they're going to perform the next year or even after your investment. All right, um, because they can make their investment, something else happen, and things just go. Things can go south. They can lose a contract. There was one portfolio company we had it was uh, nano that that was in the nano space, and we just knew that was going to go public. Um, man, that thing didn't do nothing. One of the major comp, uh, we had a major um, investor, DuPont, um, to 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 work with that company. Things just went south, and we lost badly on that on that deal, um, which sucks. But hey, that's that's the nature of it. Um, never invest in the businesses that you don't understand, um, especially in today's age of you know, the shiny object syndrome where everybody wants to do crypto, everybody wants to do uh, that's in web, web, web 3.0. Uh, I'm not saying anything is horribly wrong with those things, but stick, you will make more money um, sticking with what you know, sticking with what you know and, and that you understand. If it makes practical sense to you, you'll make, you'll do better than that. And then versus trying to follow the leader because everybody said, oh, you got to invest in this, this new app. It's going to be the next big thing. Uh, by the way, red flag, if someone says next big X, you know, just walk away. Be like SpongeBob, say, I, I'm out. I'm going to be out. Um, uh, I'll, I'll skip the last two. I already kind of spoke to those. Um, Now, here's here's how you kind of get started. So it all really comes down to what you want to do. I mean, coming up with your own investment thesis. Do you want to invest in later stage companies that are more mature, um, uh, have have a, uh, a less failure rate? Um, they're harder, harder to get into. And your 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 uh, opportunity for return uh, your multiple, like I mentioned earlier, may be less, but that might be more exciting to you. You know, having a chance to invest in a, a, a Instacart or um, I don't know, I can't remember what some of those deals were on that on that company. The uh, um, matter of fact, I think one of them there was a trucking company. I think that was that was on the list too. What was it called with Manhattan? And I think they were supposed to go public. Um, what's it called? Did they go public yet? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just Googling real quick just to see if it has. Um, I don't I don't see any new updates, but it was supposed to go public via via SPAC. But 
Um, so that could be your strategy, right? Investing in those, or, or you might want to invest in um, uh, 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 f- uh, franchises or anything like that. You know, if you think about some of the celebrities, right? Um, oh, another thing too is that, uh, so for example, Meek Mill and a couple other guys, they just bought, um, uh, or oh, what's his name? Oh, geez, what's the short guy's name that Meek Mill always hang out with? Um, Michael Rubin. He, uh, you know, he bought Mitchell and Ness. And, um, Meek, along with a, several others, invested in that deal. That's a late stage company. And so um, those are opportunities to invest in. Or if you want to get in earlier, um, you, you have a greater chance for uh, a greater return, but it's also higher risk. So so then so then with that being said, where you want to play in and then also like what industry or sector that you really want to participate. So as an example, for my fund. Um, my fund is going to be, uh, we call it industry agnostic, where it doesn't really matter the industry necessarily, except I'm not doing anything extremely high tech like bio or anything like that. Uh, ge- geographically, it doesn't matter. But sometimes individual investors, they may care, they may want to be, if they invest in a business, they may want that business to be within two hours. So that way they can kind of get to that location and also get home the same day. Um, why? Um, because sometimes you got to help put out fires. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes you literally have to put it, you know, depending on, depending on your level of involvement in the company. If you're, if, if, if Joe Schmo wants to open up a, uh, a this is not a tech store, but a laundromat or something like that. And, um, something happened and you want to get there to just to, you know, check things out. It'd be easier if you're in New Jersey. It's easier to go to that company if it's in Delaware versus if that company is in like Nebraska, right? Um, so it just so it just comes down to appetite of risk. Um, some other things too in terms of negotiating. Oh, I gotta uh, share some of these with you too. Um, board seats or observer rights. Uh, if you're going to be active or, or passive, um, and ability to contribute. And uh, where is it at? I'm gonna skip ahead. Where is it at? So a couple of things too, and some agreements that, that you guys might want to feel free to write this part down. A lawyer would know how to know these, know these things, but I'm just gonna talk to them a little bit so that way you can kind of know. Now this was the, this is gonna be with the assumption that you're gonna do a deal, and this could be any deal. So any, so it doesn't have to be a tech startup, just in any business that you invest in. Um, in my opinion, you should have some of these clauses in here. Board seats. Um, so you, you may not have to, but board seats really just so that way you can help with decision making. Um, the approval rights, you may may or may not have one to have that. The approval rights really is you. So 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 um, uh, uh, I, I heard a story that I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard a story about like how Mark Cuban he had, I, I think we just call it like a uh, grandbaby, uh, uh, grandfather type of parenting agreements. Where basically, if you got to hire somebody, you got to run it by him. Or if you spend over X, you got to run it by him. So if you invest in a company, you can have these approval rights in here where, um, where you say, if you do X, before you do X, you got to run it by me. And the reason behind that is, is that people do dumb stuff. That's why. There was a guy that um, I remember looking at a deal some time ago. He wasn't even making that much money in revenue. And uh, I think he, he's probably doing maybe 200K in revenue. But the guy spent 
60 grand buying a company car, a Buick, an Encoy or something like that. And it was a dumb, in my opinion, it was a dumb investment. I'm like, bro, you done spent half your revenue on this. And he's saying, well, you know, I needed to use, I needed to use to go to all these events. I'm like, sir, you could have got a minivan for that. Like a used minivan for 10 grand. Reality is he needed a brand new car for his family. So this is a way to, um, to do that. So if you were a investor in that company, you will be upset because he just took majority of uh, the profits and blew it on a car. So, so with approval rights, you will say something like, Hey, if you spend over five, if you got to spend over $5,000, you got to run it by me first. That's all that says. Uh, information rights is this is probably what you always want. This helps you stay in the know. So that means maybe every quarter they give you some financial updates um, uh, of anything, just financial updates, sell updates or whatever, just to keep you in the know. First right of refusal, you guys probably are familiar with that. You know, you have the right to, um, you know, uh, uh, before anything happens, you you have the first look at it and, and uh, you know, make, make a decision on it, uh, make it a um, investment. Like if you want to um, make another investment in the company uh, or sell, or let's just say somebody wants to, a co-founder wants to exit and he has his shares open, um, you have the first right at those shares before someone else, outside investor comes in. Uh, pro rata rights, all that really means is that if that company raises, um, if you own, let's just say 10% of the company because you invested X, if they place their plan to raise more, it gives you the right to uh, invest more so that way you can keep your 10% ownership in the company. Because what will happen is if they raise more and you own 10% and you did not invest in the next round, your 10% might go down to 5%. You still have the same number, the quantity of shares, but your ownership uh, for the total company will, 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 will go down. But the pro rata rights allows you to, because um, uh, it basically gives you the option to invest so that way you can keep your, your total percentage of the company. Uh, dragger loan rights um, are basically where, let's just say you have, uh, you know, uh, the company you invested in, Apple's coming in and buy it. And let's just say there's a total of five investors in a company and um, four, out of, four out of five are saying, yes, sell to Apple, but you got one that's saying like, nah, I don't like Apple and not trying to budge. So the drag along rights base is saying like, hey, the majority says we all sell to Apple, that, num that, that, that number, uh, that fifth one got to go along with the ride. He, uh, he or she don't have no say because you don't want that. You don't want that person. You have a great exit opportunity with Apple, but because this one person wants to be, you know, a butt about it um, and don't want to sell, you don't want to miss the opportunity. So now, now he has to go along the ride to exit just like everybody else. Uh, and co-sell agreement goes back to that lockup period. So this is that clause that you have in these investment documents basically allows you to uh, uh, sell your equity when new money comes in. And so the idea is that you'll sell that equity before you, the company goes public um, to exit, to, 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 um, to get out before that, that lockup period. So that's what those, those, um, uh, those little, those are some, I mean, of course there's a lot of other terms you can always have, but I'd say those are, those are some of the high level terms you want to have in each, each agreement that you do. Uh, let me go back. Um, this is just the, I'm gonna go over this real fast. 
Uh, I'm a believer of trust but verify. You know, everybody's going to tell you that they're doing amazing, as they should, right? They're trying to sell you, so they're going to tell you. But you need to dig deep. Why you dig deep? Um, here's an example of why you dig deep. A company could be saying they're doing a million dollars in revenue, which sounds amazing, right? A million dollars in revenue. However, though, a red flag would mean that uh, 800 grand comes from one client. Red flag, right? Why is it red flag? Because if that one client, um, if that one client, if that one client, um, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? If that one client uh, goes away, that company went from a million dollars to 200 grand, right? Because that company took uh, generated uh, 800 grand off of that. Uh, I have another company, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the guy was bragging about how he's doing $11 million a year. And, and, uh, and, and, and is waving that as a, you know, hey, yeah, we're doing really well. But the reality is he's one of these high, high, uh, high, uh, high, um, high margin businesses where basically you pay him, he has a middleman, a vendor, and he pays them and he gets the spread. So, so if he, if he gets a spread of 20%, so let's just say he's doing $10 million in revenue in reality, he's only doing $2 million in revenue. The rest is going to his vendors. And those are little things you have to uh, discover because what happens is he's raising his valuation based off that top line revenue, which in reality, he should be, uh, he's, he's basing his valuation off the $10 million, but in reality, he should be basing off the $2 million. Big difference, big, big difference. But this comes from asking questions, uh, 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 digging deep into the business. And so earlier stage companies, small businesses, they're not going to have audits, but one way to to get an audit, uh, one way to get um, to, to get correct information is just their tax returns. Because if they're going to lie, to, if they're going to lie to government, um, you know what I mean. Uh, you know, can't trust them at all. Because my assumption is you ain't going to lie to the government. Uh, so tax returns are a good way to kind of verify the the income as well as bank statements as well. Um, so these are just some of the list things that that you would like to get. Um, and to understand their business. And these are just high level. Now, this is just the preliminary. This is just the beginning part of it. Let's assume that you really want to move forward. Now you dig deeper. Because part of digging deeper is you might want to call up some of their um, customers to get their feedback. You know, is this really a good product? Are they providing really good service? <laughs> Excuse me. Who, who, who are some of your competitors, you know, that, that you, you could go to versus them? So um, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but but that's but these are just some kind of high level things. Uh, I'm getting close to the end. Um, so so with these two parts, you know. This really comes down to how do you want to be involved in a company? Um, and what I mean, how, how do you want to be involved in the company? Meaning that if you have some, going back earlier, oops, you, you can have a board seat, board of directors that, that does come with a higher level of responsibility because you're in there making decisions. Um, you, you might even have the power to demote the CEO if you want to, or let the CEO go. VCs normally have these roles. Uh, board of reserver is just really just someone that's in attendance to, to kind of get, you know, just to hear whenever you have board meetings, um, to hear how things going. Um, 
advisory board is a little bit more passive role, but but um, normally that is um, set aside for people with you know really direct uh, expertise. A uh, little little nice little nugget for you guys too. Start thinking about your expertise because you can sometimes get equity in companies without investing dollars. All right, you can sometimes get equity in a company by being an advisor or being part of their advisory board. It may not be a lie. It may be like you know one or two percent, but you didn't have to put no money into the company. But but keep in mind though, they're going to give you that with the expectation that you're going to give you're going to you're going to have some deliverables that you have to keep you know being there. Meaning that you know something really specific. So let's just say it's an AI company, artificial intelligence. And you're you're a professor that has that background. So you're you're part of this advisory board and you can give deep insight on that. Um, If you're a passive investor, like some of these later stage deals, like that Manhattan stuff, you're going to get limited information. That's sometimes the downside. Um, You're going to get limited information, but you don't have to really do no work. You're just kind of loan for the ride. Um, uh, oops, that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, with all these things, I'm just going to summarize this. That way I can leave, leave the floor open just for some questions. Um, in summary, you build wealth, as you saw in that illustration earlier about Uber. You get in at a good price. You help the company um, add value and grow. And then you come from an exit. Now, exit, equity exits, or as if someone buys buys the company at a greater multiple. However, um, sometimes if you have a debt instrument, the exit could be where they just pay you back plus the interest or something like that. That's that's still good as well. Um, that actually happened with us, one of our portfolio companies. The sad part is he um uh, uh he we we did exit the company, but then now uh, later on he sold to Cisco. Um and I'm like, crap, that probably would have been like an amazing return. Sometimes that happens. Um, but um, the reason why I'm sharing this, the reason why I'm sharing this, I'm trying to do better to share our people because they always talked about that our Black community has struggled to have access to capital. But the reality is, is that um, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. It's really our fault. Because a lot of new businesses start with family and friends, but the family and friends either do not have the capital or do not know how to invest. And so as a result, those uh, underserved founders, those people, the black and brown women, they're not able to create the companies that they want to create because we're not able to help them get started. Um, and that could be any type of company. It could be a franchise. It could be a t- startup. It could be a small business or whatever the case may be. It could be buying another business, right? And so... We are putting a lot of capital, a lot of different places. And so my argument is, or my challenge out there is let's start diversifying and putting things into other asset classes. Um, and that could be whatever your strategy is or whatever that might be. There's a lot of companies growing today that need capital, um, whether early stage or late stage. Um, you know, people are trying to buy businesses today. You know, if they can get the debt, they may sometimes need a little bit of help with the down payment. Um, so, but it's it's just another way. And the, the thing is, a lot of um, the check sizes are shrinking. You know, you don't have to, uh, I'm still trying to discover some ways to, because Manhattan, I think was a total of a hundred, even though I was trying to do like a, a, a 10. 
but I'm still trying to figure out ways. How can you, how can we do it for 1000, 2000, you know, it helps spread, you know, it helps, it just helps people be able to get into deals at a more affordable rate and start getting more of the practice of investing in various companies. And so, um, so anyway, long story short, and for equity investments, these are the typical paths of, of exits. The, 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 most, the most profitable exits are acquisitions or IPOs. Everything else, you either break even or maybe make you know, one or two times your money, especially with mergers. Sometimes mergers, you don't make anything and you're just stuck in a company, even though, so you, know, you may have invested in company A, but a company A merged with company B, and now you just have company B shares and you're still stuck. Um, so that's when there's um, companies where other companies where they might come and just buy your position. Now, we actually this past summer, we actually uh, sold. Um, we had a portfolio, probably like three companies left, and we actually sold it to a secondary uh, VC fund and, and, and they bought, bought that remaining portfolio from us. Uh, I think that's it. Um, so I, I'm going to stop there. Oh, you know, for those that may not know me well. Please follow me on either Twitter um, or oh, I spelled Insta, uh, my IG for Instagram wrong. So Instagram is Pedro, P-E-D-R-O underscore more. All right. And you can feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or, or, or Twitter. And that's my email down there as well. Um, I want to I'm going to do better at keeping this conversation going and adding value. It's just helping us to build wealth. And, uh, you know, the thing we saw with Michael Rubin, we can do that even on a smaller level. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be these major transactions. You know, companies buy, you know, companies uh, um, uh, are being bought and sold every day. Right. You know, and I think that the more we um, are exposed and expand our our palette, uh, we can uh, do do a lot of great things. So I'm going to leave the do. I'm going to I'm going to shut up. And um, oh, by the way, I got my Daffy Duck or Scrooge. Oh no, is he Scrooge uh, shirt on? Because I like money. <laughs> but I'm gonna leave. The, I'm gonna leave the door. Uh, leave the door for some questions. Any questions? Hey, uh, Brian, how you doing, sir? How you doing? Um, so when you were talking about. Um, if somebody, if you see, I guess, a profit and loss statement or some type of income statement that somebody, I think you made examples of if somebody's going off of 10 million, but they're really making 2 million, was that 10 million gross and the 2 million is net? Yeah. So um, that great question. Yes. That 10 million was gross. And then what happens is, so I'm going to, uh, I can't remember their exact numbers, but um, I'm going to just hypothetical. So what will happen is, is what you'll see is $10 million top line revenue, their cost of good might be around $8 million. You see, you see, you see the math, the cost of good. So then you're, the gross, the gross pop. So I, so, so now we're not even down to net income yet. So that net income, income comes after the, all the operating expenses. So, so, that so we are at, um, say it again. Sorry. No, I was just asking, just trying to follow you. So that 80% is basically the expense ratio. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to give you a quick visual real quick. Uh uh yeah. Uh I'm just going to share this uh thing real quick. 
uh, expenses. Uh, I don't know. Um, because I'm a visual learner, so that's why I want to. All right, you see the gross ten million. Yes. Okay, so basically their gross revenue would be ten million dollars. The cost of good would be eight million because basically reason why that's so high is because they're really like a middleman, and so they're paying someone else to kind of do the service. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like let's just say you were a um, you were a uh, 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 a web developer, but you didn't really do no web development yourself. So, um, oh, there's questions. Okay, give me a second. Oh, uh, yeah, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> um, so what happened is, is that you get you get a thousand dollars to come in, and then you pay someone else to do all the work. Okay. And so what happens is, is that some so they call it gross profit, but they also might call it net sales. Uh, okay. This two million dollars, but this will be the real. This will be really the real revenue for that business. And so my value, when I uh, uh, value this company or you start assessing it, I'm assessing it off of this $2 million. So, All right. so when I was like reading um, a little bit on, um, I guess, buying companies or what to look for, they were saying it's like a, it's like a multiple of the net number. Yeah, so yeah. I so good question. So, okay. So I'll get there. Give me one second. So um, now this is not always the case in other companies. They don't, they don't, most companies, you should want them to have a low cost of goods. All right. But these, uh, but some, some business models have this baked in. So what happens is, so then from there, let's just say, uh, let's just say uh, their operating expenses was, uh, was um, $1.5 million. So their net income, aka their profit. My math right? Yeah, should be 500k. Now, uh, also, Brian, uh, I want to preface this: is uh, me when I was referring to this deal, I was referring to it as an investment, not necessarily acquisition, because that kind of has a different lens to it. But but I'm but I'm going to answer your question too, because still you still want to look at look at that. So so then in this case, um. Now we'll say I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt your brain cells a little bit. Um, sometimes in venture has a higher multiple, so sometimes they do do a multiple of the gross. For companies that do have a high trajectory of going upward fast, they sometimes do it as a multiple of that. So there's a lot of things to look at, but just to answer your question, this is where traditionally small businesses you look at a multiple of that. And so depending on the sector that it in, is in, that may range from, you know, one to four. I'm going to say four. I mean, it can go up to five, but really one to four. Um, but to, to get there, it's going to require a lot of different variables. So let's assume that he's been flat for a couple of years, meaning it's been two million for the last couple of years. That might be a two times, two times this. You know what I mean? So basically, you just you, you buy his two million dollar company for two million, theoretically. You know what I mean? Now, but if he's been slightly growing, um, you know what I mean? Each year is maybe 2.2, 2.5, you know, three, 3 million or whatever. Maybe you might give him three times that, right? So, but I hope that answered your question. Okay. So, yeah. So, so I, the way I'm looking at it or the way 
it helps me to try to understand that that multiple is in, in business is like compared to a cap rate in real estate. But yeah, obviously you gotta know in businesses, you have to know like what you know as far as what multiple should be used and what is based on um when you yes. get numbers. Yes, because even when even when you, you're investing and you want to, let's just say you are buying equity in a company, um, you are trying to get a multiple of, of that. So a lot of times earlier stage high growth companies, they sometimes do a multiple. Uh, I keep doing this. Uh, they made to do a multiple of their growth gross. And so they look at comps similar to real estate where you look at comps. So some who who's doing what in a similar sector. And what comps are that? Now, the reality is sometimes those comps can be really ridiculous, um, but it, it is it gives you a benchmark. Um, excuse me. Um, so, for example, that, that one company I, I, I saw on that crowdfunding site, their thing was like close to $20 a share, okay? And they were doing, I think, 200 k in revenue. And I think last year they did... And this is all public too. So this would be a good exercise too. Like this, this is on a republic.co. If you go there, you'll find a lot of companies to, to invest. You can invest like a hundred dollars in it or whatever. But if you want to do it just for practice, feel free. But um, their valuation, I think, I think it was like $7 million or something like that. So what I, I don't know the multiple of that. That's a high multiple. That's more than 10 times. You see what I'm saying? What that what that evaluation uh, of seven million based on two hundred thousand? Yeah, because because sometimes it, these early stage companies they may not have they may not have a net income. Some of these early stage or maybe really think because they're really growing. So that's why a lot another reason why they they use top line. Um, and, and again, it's not a perfect science because you know how the heck do you value how do how do you value how did you how do Facebook value uh, Instagram right? Instagram had no revenue. Um, but he bought them for like a billion. But I was just using this as an illustration. And that's why I disagree with this person's valuation because they're generating $200,000 in sales, $20 a share, which got them to like, their valuation was like, I think $7.5 million. And this 200 grand was their gross revenue. So that's more than 10 times their gross revenue. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to sell the, if, so that so it makes it even harder for you to make money because that means that they have to if you want to double your money theoretically if you want to double your money that means they got to sell it for 14 million dollars you for this particular company theoretically they got to sell that company for 14 million dollars for you to meet, at least double your money and that might be a, in my opinion that might be a stretch because they've been around for some time and they still only had two hundred uh, thousand dollars in revenue. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, so it's yeah. always going to be a case by case. There's no, there's no exact. Well, if you've done real estate, you know there's no exact science to it. It's just more of comps, opinions, and then kind of a little bit of gut. Um, and and then, but anyway, I just want to kind of share this example of, in my opinion, a bad, uh, bad deal, a bad deal. Can I ask um, you one more last question? Yes. Like obviously not for something like this, because like, you know, you're going on a website and you're buying, um, you know, you're spending, um, like you said, uh, like a minimum amount of money just as sort of practice and getting in, in, into the uh, groove of things. But let's just say if you really wanted to buy into a, a company, mm -hmm. um, who who would you use or like to audit numbers? Like, is that something you do or would you just get like a regular like accountant or something? Uh, you can. Um 
I don't get accountant because I've I've been doing it for some time, so I I, I don't need one. Gotcha. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can do it if you want if you want to reach out to me. But um, but you can um, you can get an accountant to look at your look at the numbers. Um, if you plan to buy one, I definitely recommend it. Um, well, actually, I mean, I recommend it both cases. If you're planning to invest, where you are a minority uh, position in the company. Or if you want to take a controlling position, um, and if that's not your strength, I definitely do recommend that. Um, same thing with the lawyer. If that's not your strength, um, you know, uh, well, actually, I, I mean, I recommend it in general, even though there are some templates and some general knowledge. Um, I will say for everybody out there, like if in terms of acquisitions, at least um, uh, having a lawyer obviously helps, but I know it can be expensive. expensive. So if you can't get a fixed rate, that helps. You know what I mean? That way you don't have a hefty bill. Um, but also if you can do, now this is just Paige's opinion. If you can do a lot of negotiating without the lawyer, because unless it's a fixed rate, because what's going to happen is when I say negotiating, I'm not saying that you got to have everything um, binding, but you can you can go back and forth with the, the owner and say, look, I, same thing with you investing. Um, look, I believe your company is this. I may say no. When you guys get to some kind of mutual agreement, I mean, I feel like, well, at least, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with doing that, but you know, that you guys know your strength, you guys know your strengths and your weaknesses. But my point is, is that that right there might save a little bit of money on, um, on the lawyer. So basically in that scenario, let's just say you guys do come in agreement. I want to buy your company for $500,000 and he or she may say, okay, um, then that's when you get the lawyer to say, hey, draft this will be agreed upon from that. And uh, uh, the lawyer would draft it up and, 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 and make sure it's legit after that point. But it's just the, the conversations and all that. Because um, if not, and you have, a, you have a lawyer that's billing hourly, that's going to be a hefty bill. You know what I mean? A hefty, hefty bill. Um, but anyway, did you have another question? Or did I just kind of, no, no, that was it? Okay, okay. Um, uh, so, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kayon, is that right? Kahan. Say it again. Kahan. Kahan, 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 Kahan. Yeah. Um, Kahan asked a question about the fund. So, um, the fund is going to be called Leverage Us Capital. And um, Leverage Us Capital, um, my thesis around that is that um, generally speaking, VCs always want to go for like, they call it unicorns, being all enterprises. Through personal experience, I've realized that there's also a lot of other companies that may not be, uni- a lot of companies will never be unicorns, but there's going to be a lot of companies that can be, you know, multi-million dollar companies. And also I realized that a lot of black and brown founders don't want to um, always raise money and have to give so much equity to VCs. And they would like to be able to run the companies independently. So I'm creating a, a company called Everjust where we help back companies where they can remain independent and they don't have to be forced to sell the company within five to seven years. Um, and so that's these. I have a unique contract to kind of help us give an additional option of exiting where they can buy us back at a, at a predetermined multiple. And with that strategy, the reason I call it Everjust, my strength um is that i'm I, I know a lot of people and i'm constantly trying to i'm really good at connecting dots and so um my my strength is that i want to be an investing companies where i can connect it to something and that's something a distribution channel or so can help catapult their deal so for example like 
I'm definitely going to leverage Damon, where if, he, if there's a consumer product that he likes, oh, and I got to say this to you guys too. If there's a if there's a consumer product that he likes or company that he likes, and I know he can get me inside Lowe's, he can get me inside a Target, he can get me inside whatever, maybe a ma- manufacturer that can kind of cut the cost down of producing a product. Um, I would do that deal with him beside me and and he'll probably get equity because he'll do a certain service or whatever the case may be. Um, and so that's what I want to do. So in terms of minimum, um, I do not have that yet um, in terms of my minimum, minimum investment amount. Um, I am trying to, I'm trying to make it, make sure it's affordable in case individuals do want to participate. I am trying to go over some big juggernauts, um, but in relationships with like, I'm trying to go with like Barkley Banks and some of these big boys to give me just these big checks. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I do not have a minimum requirement yet for people that want to invest in the fund, um, but I'll keep you guys posted uh, with that. Um, one other thing too, I want to say about investing is that know, again, know your strength and your value add. Um, and how you want to play, because uh, the other side I'm starting to teach some of the entrepreneurs is that pick your angels carefully, because, you know, doctors, lawyers, they're rich, right? Most most of them, but they're not going to add any value to the business. They're going to be they can easily cut a check, but they're not going to really add no value. Um, and, that, and that's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, that's just the reality. So um, so so I guess my point is knowing your strength, even if your value is connections, you know, them people that can be considered value too. So just make sure you write those, you know, you know, start taking inventory of things that you can add to companies because that can add, that can help you out of getting into more deals. And don't, don't forget too, if you have some unique skill sets, um, uh, you come across a company, you might be able to get equity in a company with no money because you have a unique skill set. Um, let me stop sharing this. Uh, any other questions I can uh, help with? Um, the one website is republic.co. If you guys want to actually invest in stuff as we get practice, they do show financials. Um, uh, what else? They do show financials um, and uh, revenue team and all that good stuff. But uh, um, trying to think of some other things. Uh, Any, any any other questions as I'm as I'm thinking some deals? Uh, I there was a deal that I did. Um, actually, I'm not allowed to share that. No, I'm not gonna share that one. I don't think I can share that one. Um, trying to think of some other things too. Just just as because I'm I'm pretty much done, guys, and I'm uh, but I'm just trying to share some insight. Um, oh, by the way, too, uh, uh, not to say this will happen, but I had another guy, he actually was supposed to be on this call. Um, he was doing it. He was about to invest in a company. It was a doctor and that entrepreneur did not want to give him any financials. Uh, put it like this. When you guys got to get somebody find a money, uh, they can give you, they're supposed to give you any and everything. You have that right. So don't let anyone any any business try to say you don't get any. Now this is of course early stage, right? You know, this is this is these big big boy companies. Unless you come with a ten million dollar check, uh, you don't have that privilege. But smaller businesses, 
you can go in and uh, get whatever that you want uh, from from these people. Um, but yeah, well, look, if you guys don't have any more questions, I won't hold you guys up anymore. Um, I appreciate you I guys. Um, I had a quick question. Oh, yes. Just kind of. Um, not to say the question when when you had presented the man the Manhattan deal, right? And you said, mm-hmm. I think you said the minimum was a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. But then you said that the minimum was 10. Is that is that with is that a situation where like 10 people or something get together and put up 10 and then it gets to the hundred? Or how like how does that type how does of, that work? work? Yes. And I'm glad you said that too, because that's actually how a lot of they call that syn- a syndicate um uh you know that's just pulling money together you can do that for anything too by the way guys you know um and and i'm gonna get you i'm gonna answer your question specifically uh kahan um but i wanted to speak generally speaking so so that's what i'm referring to group economics where you guys pull capital together to participate um yes it will uh I'll, i'll make the recording available um and uh, where you guys can pull money together to put in something. And the reason why I, I emphasize that is because that actually helps uh, even the investor, less burden on the investor. So if there is somebody is needs a hundred grand, instead of one individual cutting a hundred grand, um, that individual can cut 10 and find nine other people to do 10 as well. And then collectively, boom, you give them hundred grand. So that means that one investor now has 90 grand left over he or she can go participate in other deals as well. And that's how you start building that diversified portfolio. So what, what was happening in that scenario, the, to participate in uh, Manhattan's, um, uh, Manhattan's um, uh, 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 deal, they had a minimum investment of 100K, as you know. But what I was trying to do is make it, that investment more digestible for a lot of other people. So in my head, I, it was nothing serious. I just said, okay, let's just... If I, if I could find 10 people to give me 10K, that was the, the general math. I could have did 20 people to give me 5K, but I just did with 10. Um, and so what I was going to do, uh, what, what actually I did do, I was mid halfway there, a little more than halfway. To, so I was not able to get the full amount by the uh, deadline. Um, but basically, I got an LLC, a special person vehicle, and we was all going to put that all our money into that. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Let me... I'll put our money into that and um, and then take that, the, once we got to the 100K, take that 100K and give it to Manhattan. And that's basically how that will work. And that ha- that's how it works with any basic trans- transaction for, for a syndicate like that. Did that answer your question? Oh, did I lose you? Yeah, I was trying to get off. Yeah, I was trying to get off. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, so you I, said, oh, so just ahead. for clarification, so in, that, so in that scenario, the people that put the money in, they would kind of be in, they would kind of be investing as an LLC? Yeah. So you, let's just say, I'm going to pick on you. You gave me 10 grand along with, uh, let's just say everybody on this call, let's assume everybody on this call is 10. Uh, I mean, 10 people on this call. Everyone on this call gave me 10 grand and we put that money into an LLC and uh, we then put that money uh, uh, into uh, that fund. So so on the paperwork for Manhattan Venture, it's not going to show your name individually. It's going to show that LLC's name because the LLC gave Manhattan the hundred grand. Mm -hmm. So you'll be an investor in that LLC that we all have for all the people that we have on the call. 
So would that work the same for um, investment group? Like you mentioned investment group. So I'm in, I'm in like a black investment group. Mm-hmm. So we would have the ability to kind of invest in a fund like that as an investment group, or is it certain rules like, F, I guess, SEC or things like that, that govern like how much we could do or what we could do as an investment group? Yes. Um, um, uh, uh, give me maybe one second. Uh, Jude, tell, tell Jen I want my plate too. <laughs> um, but, but yes. Um, so depending on how you structure it. So, uh, so now keep, keep in mind, um, there, there are some, uh, uh, this varies per deal. Um, so there are some caveats. So for example, if that company requires, uh, only wants accredited investors, so that means everyone at LLC has to be accredited investors. That's the that's the only that's the only thing. And particularly in those agreements, you see the agreements. You know, you are, uh, uh, it's nothing invasive. You just check the box to say that you're a credit investor. You know, so it's nothing invasive. Um, but um, uh, but there's other. But some people might have different requirements. It's just that you can do that. It's just that uh, everybody in that individual deal has to uh, meet all those requirements. That's all. Um, but yeah, you, if you got a group, you can, as a group, invest in things, you know, assuming that everybody in that group checks the box in terms of meeting, the, meeting whatever deal, whatever deal it is requirement, um, uh, you could do that. So if somebody says, hey, uh, guys, um, you know, I want to open up a McDonald's and you guys want to, you know, he may, he or me, he or she may not have a requirement of credit investors because let's assume they're family and friends. Because I think a lot of times you can get over that hump if it's like some kind of pre-existing relationship. Um, you guys can just pull your money together, put it in that LLC collectively. And then also, too, that's a cleaner way of doing a transaction anyway, especially if you're doing it as a group. That way, it won't be 10 individuals that own uh, that McDonald's company uh, on, on this. We call it a cap table. It's... it's um, it's uh, it might be one. It may be the owner and the LLC in terms of on paper who owns it. But then in that LLC, there's 10 different individuals in there. It just makes it look cleaner because what happens is down the road, what people don't know, when you have a private equity investor or someone else invest, they're going to see like all these names on here and they're going to get turned off because that's a lot of different people that you have to adhere to and, and, and talk to, even from the business owner, you know, they may not want to have to talk to 10 different investors. They may want to talk to one. So um, there's been deals where you can invest in hotels. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had an interest in this, but um, where you can invest in like a hotel, you'd be a limited partner, a passive investor. So if their minimum requirement is 50K and you don't have the full 50K yourself, but in their requirement is a credit investor, but you have five other people that are credit investors and you guys want to invest, uh, what is that? Uh, 10, uh, 10, uh, grand, you guys put that 10 grand into an LLC and then an LLC will give that hotel owner the 50 K. Does that help or still, 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 uh, we still need a little more clarity. No, that's good. Thanks. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Hey, and also, guys, check out this one website. This is another group. They do deals. Now, their requirement is a little bit higher. Um, put it in the chat. So if you ever see some of these athletes invest in these top-tier companies, um, they go through a company like, like this company. It's called Pactrioff or whatever it's called. They, they invested in Topgolf, SpaceX, Bomba. 
Um, who else? Uh, Voyages, Virgins, Voyages. And so I remember looking into them. They have decent, they have good minimums in terms of like things like 10 to 25K or something like that as a minimum, but their requirement is significantly higher than a credit investor. I think that you gotta have a, you got you gotta have you have to have a, like an investment portfolio worth over five million dollars, something like that. If you do, that's cool. And then you can invest just like these top-tier athletes invest. A lot of a lot of people um uh invest that through that group. Um, but I'm just giving you just more exp- examples, just more exposure to a lot of opportunities. This is not the holy grail. There's other people that do the same thing, but this is just a company that I know focuses on a lot of athletes that I kind of personally follow. Um any other questions, guys, before I let you guys go? Oh, wait. So start engine. Um, so uh, oh, Larry Brown. OK, I was going with the L stand for Larry asked the question. This is for the crowdfunding sites. I mentioned Republic earlier. I like Republic. Um, WeFunder is good. I did a couple small deals through WeFunder. Uh, start engine, uh, my, in my humble opinion, I feel um, I feel um, I'm a little leery about some of their deals on on Start Engine because I feel like some of them are just people are just there as marketing. Like I, for example, there's a guy I don't know him personally, but I just know of him. He's trying to raise you know a couple million dollars to invent some kind of autonomous taxi, but the guy has all he has is just 3D renderings. And he don't have no background in developing hardware, let alone transportation technology. So it was like, how are you going to raise money, sir? You know what I mean? Like, other than just you, you just got to like trick. I don't want to say you were a trick, but um, I can't think of a, I can't think of a better word. But you guys get what I'm saying. Um, I, I, I just, you know, he may be able to do it, but I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, but we funder feels like I feel like they have a little bit more um, similar to like Republic, even though that one deal I found on Republic. So, you know, they may have some good ones. They may have some bad ones, but it's good to just in my opinion, it's some of them have low minimums. It's good. It's good practice. You know, I don't expect anything out of these um, unless I'm just really just want to support them just because, you know, I know it might be like a black owned company or I may like the product. So I might just put a couple of hours behind it, you know, Um no, I'm not familiar with Black Sands. Never, I don't think I ever heard of that. Are you able to uh, share that? What that is? Yeah. Hello. Yes. Oh yeah, no, they just they they actually just did a deal on Shark Tank. It's like a black. Um, oh, is that an entertainment company? company? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After you said that, I, it, it triggered me. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not big on um, entertainment like that. So I'm not an expert on that. So, but I thought, you know, anytime I see a black company uh, uh, winning, I'm always for it. But I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about them though. All right. Well, um, if no other questions, I'll let you guys go, man. I, again, I appreciate the engagement. I appreciate you guys hanging in there talking. And I'm a, and, uh, uh, and I want you guys to hold me accountable to sharing this knowledge. And none of the reason why I'm sharing this, I'm gonna, let me stop. Yeah, I don't need to record this part.